Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Um, welcome to church on this second Sunday of Advent. My name is Chris, and just feel um, really tender um, in this space that we're in right now. The songs, I think, today were uh, very Advent uh, songs, very Adventy in the best possible way. These flowers in front of me, uh, which are so beautiful, uh, mark the um, the grief and the hope mixed together of the one-year anniversary of the passing of Grace Lewis, who we love and is a part of our family and her family. Um, I just want you to know we're praying for you all, and there is um, hope in the sorrow, and we're with you. And as beautiful as these flowers are, they just speak to us of um, Grace is with Jesus, and she is um, she's a present tense grace in the presence of God. Uh, we tend to think of those who have passed as being in the past tense, and that's just not the way it works with the Lord. Um, and yet we uh, sit in the shadowy places, in the valleys sometimes. And I think that's what struck me about the songs that we were singing, and specifically that last one. Eric Marshall uh, of the band Young Oceans is just such a gift. And he has an album called Advent, and that song is on it. And I would just encourage you, if you are looking for music to, to help guide you through this season of Advent, I would just encourage you to go find Young Oceans on Spotify or wherever it is you find your music and listen to their Advent album because Advent is about waiting. It's um, our, the greeting card industry has really messed this up, y'all. They, they've made this season um, they've made it seem like this season is supposed to be something that it's not. A Advent has always, always, always been a time of waiting, um, a time of learning to sit in dark spaces, looking for and hoping for the light of God. That's what Advent is. It's what it's always been. And we live in a world that tells us we should feel something uh, quickly and naturally that many of us in this room just don't feel. Uh, and that's why Christmas is elusive to, to many people. For me growing up, this is why Christmas was elusive. I, um, you know, it's not long after you leave your early childhood days and you realize like things are more complicated than what um, I'm being told in the songs that I'm hearing on the radio. And Advent has always been for the church an invitation to learn how to sit still and hope for hope in dark places because Jesus is coming. That's what it is. And I know that many of us in this room, that's exactly what we need to do. And that's everything that our culture is telling us not to do. Our culture has a way of busying us to numb us. And we feel it probably in the background all the time. But in seasons like this, I think we feel it more acutely. It's like something feels like it's out of joint. And so I just want to say to you that if something feels out of joint to you, you actually are the one who's seeing it like it ought to be. If something feels a little off and you're thinking like, wait a minute, I, I need something. I, I need something to happen for me in order to see what Jesus is doing is he's inviting you to wait. He's inviting you to learn to wait with hope. And that is really hard work. Advent is really hard work. Uh, that's why we hold the space here at this church. And I know for some of us, it's, it feels uncomfortable. You think like, man, y'all should just be a little more pumped up. You know, we're going to be pumped up. It's going to be coming in a few weeks. But right now, we're going to be holding what it feels like to sit in the dark and look for the light. That's, that's what this season is about. I'm going to read and then we're just going to, we're going to jump in. I, at the first service, I, I, I pivoted away from the, the sermon uh, that I had prepared and I feel like I'm supposed to do that again, but it still feels really new. And so if I get a little lost, like I just, you know, cut an old man some slack and 
Um, I'm going to try to listen to the Spirit today as we read and, and, and try to enter into the text in a way that's a little bit different from even what I prepared this week. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees, so religious, cultural religious elites, coming out for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you, John says, with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand And he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord. God, we thank you for the word. We thank you for John. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to enter fully, as fully as we are able into this Advent season. We pray, God, that you would use this time, that you would redeem this time. Lord, whatever it is that we have brought with us into this space today. We ask you to help us hold it. Some of us are distracted. Some of us are excited. Some of us are tired. Some of us are hurting. Some of us are hopeful. We pray that you would help us to hold whatever it is and be as present here as we possibly can, Lord. We, we want to prepare a way, as the song that we sang just said in these words in the Bible tell us to do. We want to do that, and we need your help, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Advent for me was, um, you know, vaguely about chocolate growing up. I didn't know what it was. My my parents were were not traditional people, uh, so we were not in a traditional church. We were not in a church that, like, talked about things like Advent and Lent. It was just not a part of the rhythm of our lives. Um, but I think Advent and Lent specifically um, are, are two of the principal reasons why I actually became an Anglican, uh, because I realized as an adult that entering into a season of intentional preparation where you get to sit in dark spaces and hope for the lightness, that that was something I really needed. That was something that my heart really needed. Um, and it's helped begin to redeem the, the season of, of Christmas for me. Uh, Advent for us is, is about John the baptizer's message. His message is to prepare the way of the Lord. And I think it's easy for us to get um, into like exactly what does it look like for me to prepare the way of the Lord. Uh, and in years gone by, that's what we've talked about here at Trinity during the Advent season, because John's message is the message of Advent. It's, um, it's get ready. But today I want to back up a little bit 
uh, in a way that may not be terribly practical for you, but it's something that I feel in my bones right now. I feel it in my heart. I feel it in my own life, my own personal lived experience, but I also feel it in this room. I, um, I don't have to know a lot about all of you to know that many of us uh, probably need to step back from get busy and do the work to make Christmas great, and we need to go further back than that. So why don't we just put all the slides up? Because I know it feels, I'm not going to use all of these in the way that I plan to, um, but I want to hold these first two, this idea that John uh, the baptizer, and I'm going to call him the baptizer. I got no beef with Baptists, but John was not a Baptist as you understand Baptists. Um, So we're just going to call him the baptizer to let him transcend denominations. Uh, John the baptizer was a wilderness person. Uh, He lived in the wilderness Um, He spent his time in the wilderness and people left Jerusalem, uh, the city, and they left Judea and they went out to the wilderness to see him and to listen to him. And it occurs to me that that's actually the fundamental thing that has to happen before we do any real work of knowing what preparing the way looks like. You've got to get into the woods. And sometimes that's like a literally get into the woods, but I think it's certainly this metaphorical space of, of quiet and we are terrified of the wilderness. But I just want to say something at the very beginning that has become a lived experience in my own life. Without silence and solitude, without quiet space, you will not flourish in your walk with God. And I'm just going to say it again because the whole world is telling you something else. Without silence and space and quiet, you will not flourish in your life with God. It won't happen. You can't busy your way or serve your way or podcast your way to the good life that God has for you. There's a reason why the, the, the sort of giants of the spiritual life, uh, mothers and fathers that go all the way back, Teresa of Avila, um, and then more modern people like Dallas Willard and Richard Foster, Thomas Merton, Henry Nouwen, Uh, say silence and solitude are the fundamental and foundational building blocks of the life with God. And yet we live in a world that tells us that that's just not possible. We live in a world of, of noise and hurry and worry and crowds. And we feel that all the time. And yet this time of year, I think we feel it more acutely than we do at any other place because there's this call to go into the wilderness and the world just keeps pulling us back into things that distract us. And Advent is all about figuring out how it is that we step into the wilderness, how we step into even some quiet or some even lonely places. Because the truth of the matter is for many of us, like getting out of the grind, um, there's a reason why we stay in the grind of, of noise and hurry and crowds, because we're addicted to it. We don't have to actually think about the things that are hurting us or that worry us, or we don't have to learn how to be still and let things go when we're distracted, when we're split off from where we really are. And yet Advent has always been a call for Christians, for seeking people to enter into the wilderness. And so I just want to ask you, are you, are you in the woods these days? Are you in quiet spaces these days? And I know it's hard. Kids make it almost impossible. But it's not just our kids. It's not just our jobs. It's not just the radio. It's all the things that traffic us and keep us from actually entering into the spaces that we must enter into. 
I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, some TikTok star hit a golf ball into the Grand Canyon. That person got in trouble <laughs> because you're not supposed to do that. And I was thinking about it, like I'd rather hit golf balls into the wilderness than go there myself because it's just so vast and so overwhelming to get into these places where John heard the, the will of God, the purpose of God for his own life and where other people came out to hear from God. Like that's a wild and untamed place to get out in those places. And so what we want to do is we just want to day trip the wilderness. But inevitably stuff happens in life and you realize you can't just day trip it anymore. It's why like a relationship falling apart or a physical health crisis or someone in your life dying, it's why those things are a kind of really strange and severe mercy to us. Because for many of us, when we get into those places, it's the first time in life where we get into a thing and we realize like, I can't just backtrack and leave this. Like I can't escape this anymore. And a lot of us, we spend our whole lives trying to put our toe in and then take our bodies out of these places of wilderness, these places where we're not in control, where we don't know what's going to happen next, where we feel that there's untamed. There's no reason, no, no wonder that John was able to see his sin and call people to confess their sin because he got into these untamed places and he probably started to see the untamed places in him. It was like this sense of um, this is I'm a wild thing. I'm a mixed thing and now I'm in this wild and mixed place and I need to see how vulnerable I really am. So I've been thinking about the wilderness a lot. I've been thinking about the Bible as it relates to wilderness because wilderness actually features really heavily in the Bible. And um, I, I want to share four things with you that occur to me, uh, things that happen in the wilderness. Uh, and and. This is, feels really personal to me and really important. Uh, and that means it's probably going to be incomplete and it's not going to come out exactly like I, I feel it. Uh, but I feel this in, in my own bones and my own lived experience. And I just want to share some things about the wilderness because I believe God is asking all of us to enter into the wilderness in one way or the other. That's how you redeem time. That's how we learn to be present is to move into quiet spaces so the first thing that I see in the Bible about the wilderness is that the wilderness is always a place of stripping away. The wilderness is a place where our comfort and our control and our security, those things go pretty quick in the wilderness. Um, it's why we don't go into the wilderness. Like my favorite, have y'all ever watched the show Man vs. Wild with Bear Grylls? I love that guy. Like probably more than I should. Uh, he is awesome. My favorite episode of Man vs. Wild is when he took Marshawn Lynch with him into the wilderness. And like halfway through this running back in the NFL is like, I don't go into the woods. I've never been in the woods and I don't like the woods. And I feel the same way. The reason why we don't spend time in the quiet places is because when you get into quiet places, you all of a sudden start seeing things strip away. When I went away for my birthday and decided I was going to camp and hike and spend a few days in the woods, um, I realized that I'd packed too much stuff. Uh, but I didn't realize that on the way into the woods. I realized that like a day and a half into my trip. And there came this crisis moment where I was holding my Bible thinking, should I throw this away? Because it is, it is heavy. 
Um, and it, it reached an all-time low point when I'm sitting at my campsite by myself and I'm like skimming coffee grounds out of a thing just to get them onto the ground because everything felt super heavy. And I would say to you that one of the first things that happen when you get into quiet places, into lonely places, into places where God might be wanting to work is that you're gonna feel things starting to strip off of you because it's just too heavy to carry it all. Some of us right now are carrying things that we cannot continue to carry if we're gonna make it through attachments to outcomes, sin patterns, ways of coping with disorientation and dysregulation. We carry all this stuff and the first thing you feel, the pressure that we feel that is a gift from God in those lonely places is this sense that we just can't carry it all. So what is it that you're holding on to and carrying right now that you can't carry? You won't make it if you hold on to it. The wilderness is first and foremost a place for stripping away. We lose things in the wilderness. And we live in a culture that doesn't like losing stuff. We don't like losing our reputations. We don't like losing our marriages. We don't like losing people we love. We don't like losing um, our comfort. We don't, whatever it is, we don't like to lose. And yet the wilderness, first and foremost, is a place where we begin to let go, where things are stripped, where we, we lose. The second thing that I see as I look at the story of the children of Israel is that things always get worse before they get better when you're in the wilderness. Like the Israelites, you know, they're like, let's go. And then like three weeks later, they're going, which way do we go to get back? Because things got so intolerable and they realized like I'm, things are falling, things are stripping away and we're not cut out for this. And so what always happens is, is we want to go back. And this is why we day trip. This is why we don't go through into places where we might actually experience God, because it's so dang uncomfortable to be in places where we're not in control. And that's where God meets us. That's what this season is all about. Things always get worse before they get better. When things are uncomfortable. That's where your sin comes out. That's where our idols emerge, the things that we've substituted, you know? Efforts to secure ourselves, to rescue ourselves. It's where fear and scarcity and all those things come in. Jealousy, quarrelings, where all the ugly stuff comes out when things get worse. Which always leads to the third thing that happens in the Bible is that the third thing that happens in the wilderness is if you press through that discomfort, there is an invitation for repentance. There's this invitation to rethink the way we're engaging, to name our sin, to name the places where we have given into fear, uh, the places where we want to backtrack. Um, there's always an invitation if we will stay with the discomfort long enough. And y'all, we have a sickness in our society that we don't love discomfort. And so we don't hang with discomfort. We feel it and then we back up from it and we self-medicate or we do whatever it is that we do. And because of that, Christmas is always a little bit hollow, but y'all, this isn't really just about Christmas. This is about our lives. Like we want to be the kinds of people who hang in the discomfort long enough to see our sin, the places where we've missed the mark, the places where we've fallen short, the places where we turn to other things versus the one true one who can heal our hearts, who can meet us, who can comfort us and restore us. So there's always an invitation for repentance. 
an opportunity to look at our lives and to, to see the places in our lives that are bent or broken and say, God, help me to see it more clearly. Help me to ask for your forgiveness, for your help. And then, only then, is the fourth thing available to us, which is an experience of God. So the stripping away, it gets worse. We're invited to repent, to look at our lives. And then, and then, we're invited to experience the kindness and the goodness and the mercy, the restorative life of God. So I would say to you that if you are in the wilderness, you're in really good company. Marty said that during, um, during the, the musical worship time and that, that song by um, Eric Marshall, which I just love so much, that song just reverberates because it's about like seeing that God wants to come into those spaces. That's where God enters in. But many of us, if we're honest, we have always tended to cut the process short. And then what are we left with? Like, we're just not experiencing that thing, that, that presence, that gift that God wants to bring to us. The last year and a half for me have been pretty lonely at times. Like this has been a wilderness period and one that I didn't feel like I had the option to backtrack out of. And maybe you're there too. Maybe you're in a place where you think like, I finally hit something in life and I just can't, I can't reverse course and get out of this. This is going to hurt. In that, there is a gift. In that, God wants to find us. He wants to meet us. And that, the truth about the acts at the root is that Jesus was speaking to religious and cultural elites. He was speaking to people who thought it was like the next fad, the thing that, you know, was like, oh, look, everybody's going out there. I'm going to go out there. And Jesus had really harsh words to say to them. But to those that knew that something was off, to those that knew that they didn't have what it took, Jesus was speaking to them and he was saying, I am coming. And what I love about what John says is that at the end, John says, um, Jesus is coming and he will baptize and he will winnow. He'll soak us, he'll drench us, he'll fill us with life. He'll, he'll take those weary bones and he'll inject life into those bones. That's what Jesus has come to do for you and me. And he's gonna separate the wheat from the chaff, the good stuff from the bad stuff, the stuff that has substance from the stuff that doesn't have substance. And the truth is, y'all, we're all mixed bags. We're all um, a bit of this and a bit of that. And Jesus can sort all that stuff out. That's what he's come to do. And I believe that as we enter into this season, there's this invitation for us to move into some quiet places, to actually make choices about the quiet. And the truth is, when you're feeling the pressure of life, you can either just like, you know, eat too much, drink too much, watch too much TV. And we all tend to do that sometimes. Or we can begin to say, I want to learn how to sit in some places that feel really uncomfortable for me. I want to learn how to enter into the woods because I believe Jesus is in the woods. And I just want to say to you today that as you enter into a season, whenever it is that you feel invited to press into something that feels uncomfortable, I just want to say, I want you to believe Jesus is in that, in that wood. That he's there, he's out there, and he wants us to, to move beyond day tripping and to learn how to spend extended time, daily time, regular time in places where we are learning to be quiet and still, learning to see God and learning to see our own stuff. Because that's where Jesus wants to meet us. That's what Advent is all about. 
And every year I, I feel like there's this invitation like about halfway through to go like, it's not too late. <laughs> We're lighting these candles. It's not too late to, to, to be intentional about the quiet space. It's not too late. This is the time to do it. And so I want to call you to do that. I want to call you to like redeem the time to figure out what quiet looks like. And for some of us, it may just be as simple as like sitting in your car at lunch versus like going in and hanging out with a bunch of people. Like you can spend 30 minutes in your car and learn how to be still or go on walks in the morning. Um, you know, it's one of the gifts of having a dog is that I can like choose to not podcast just to be quiet and walk. And before profound insight comes to you, you'll feel all the stripping away. And that's why we stop doing it because we don't like to feel the stripping but the stripping comes first. I mentioned this book a, a number of uh, weeks ago as being very helpful to me during the last year. Um, uh, William Bridges wrote a book 45 years ago called Transitions. And it's probably the most helpful book that I've read in the last year. Um, and uh, what Bridges says in Transition is that transition is an ending followed by a chaotic in-between place, followed by a new beginning. We have to see things end and move into the wilderness before we start and see and experience new beginnings. And I believe that Advent is about learning how to engage transition with God. But you got to work with him. And he's inviting us to work with him, to walk with him. If you're able, let's stand together as we prepare our hearts for communion.